okay, I was saying we we have to understand and you know the where we come from as Christians, where our Christian faith comes from. It's very, very important because if we do not understand, sometimes we make a mistake. Sometimes we you know we lose our faith, we lose our trust in the in, in the in the God that we believe in. And because we do not understand where our Bible came from, a lot of people, they do not understand Christianity because they do not understand the relationship between Christianity and the Bible. So in the past three, no, in the past four weeks, we have been through the story of the Bible. Let me try to quickly recap some of the stuff that we, we talked about in the past. We, in, we kept on emphasizing that knowing the story of the Bible is very important. It's as important as knowing the stories that are in the Bible. Most cases, we will be busy trying to read the stories that are in the Bible, and we do not understand the Bible itself. We do not understand how did the Bible come into our lives? How did the Bible come into our villages? How did the Bible come into our cities? And that's why it's very, very important to understand that. And if you do not know the story of the Bible, it is very easy. It's very easy to discount or to dismiss the stories that are in the Bible, anything that's written in the Bible, you know, if you do not understand how the Bible came in, it's easy to discount that. It's easy to misunderstand that. It's easy to misinterpret that. One other thing that we have learned is the way we got our Bible, the way we got our Bible today, the way you got your Bible last year, the way you got your Bible five years ago, the way you got your Bible on, uh, you know, on your app, or the way you got your Bible uh, in your hands, the physical Bible the paperback or hardcover Bible, it's different from the way the Bible was introduced into the world. And we have to understand that the story of the Bible begins with Jesus. And that is the key, that the story of the Bible begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus or it started with Jesus when his tomb was found empty. When Jesus had resurrected, that became big news. When his followers walked on the streets of Jerusalem and they shouted, he's back, he's back, he's alive. He rose from the dead. And everybody looked at them and said, wow, this is real. And suddenly, suddenly, many were interested in documenting the life of Jesus. Those who believed in Jesus and those who did not believe in Jesus, both the Jews and, and those, the, the Gentiles and the Greeks, a lot of people at that time in that area, they wanted to write the story of Jesus. It was a historic story. And I gave an example, like, you know, now we are going through this COVID situation. After this COVID situation, there are a lot of books that are going to be written about COVID because it's a big story that people believe that the future generation needs to know about our experiences, need to know about our COVID experiences. Some people have already written some, uh, some books and documents on COVID-19, articles on COVID-19. Why? Because people feel like this is, this is one of the biggest stories, biggest historical you know, story that people need to know about. And the same thing with Jesus. After Jesus resurrected, you know, if Jesus had died and nothing happened, it will not be a big story because dead people, what do they do? They remain in the grave. They remain in the tomb. But this story was different because he did not remain in the tomb. This man, he was dead, literally dead, 
People saw him and he wasn't even buried, but he resurrected. And that made a big story. And what happened is many people started to write about this story. Many people started to write about this story because if there was no resurrection, there would be no need to document it. And when people like Dr. Luke, you know, who says in, in chapter one, in the book of Luke chapter one, he says, many people have documented this event. Many people have documented this event. We have Matthew, you know, Matthew who was a Jew. We have Mark, Mark was a Greek. Luke was a Greek, John was a Jew. So we had both Greeks and Jews document. Let me say this right from the beginning that when they were documenting this story, when they were writing about this event, they were not writing a Bible. Nobody ever sat down and say, today I want to start writing a Bible. Nobody sat down and say, we want to write a Bible. So the Bible was not written by a particular individual. These were just documents. These were books that were written by people who were there, eyewitnesses. It was not a story that was passed from generation to generation. Actual fact, if you read the history of the Bible, you will find that some of them, they documented this story about four or five years later after the resurrection of Jesus. So it was not, it was not a story that was written maybe 100 years later. It was not a story that was passed from generation to generation, uh, you know, uh, through the word of mouth. No. These were eyewitnesses. These are the people who were there, who saw it. And they were writing these documents, believing that other people need to know about this resurrection story. And that is where the story of Jesus started. Remember, Christianity did not start as a result of the Bible. The Bible came later. Christianity was as a result of the event. Christianity was as a result of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Christianity started because of the event, not because of the Bible. If you have a Bible, if you have a problem with the Bible, that is a separate issue. Christianity did not start because of the Bible. The Bible came in because of the event. The Bible came in as a documentation of the event, the greatest event in the history of humanity. Now, the Gentiles who were converted, the Gentiles who became Christians, they also became interested in the Jewish text. Because the Gentiles did not have any document, they did not have text about their God, about their many gods. But after they found God, after they accepted this Christianity, after they accepted the gospel, and they started to go through the text, the Jewish text, the Torah. When they were, as they were reading the Jewish text, well, that's what today, what we call the Old Testament. Because that, is the, the, that was a Hebrew text. It was, it, was right, it was written just to indicate or to, you know, to, to give us the history of the Hebrew nation, to give us the history of the Jews. Now, as these Gentiles started to, to get more interested in this Jewish text, guess, guess what happened? They found something that they never had before. They found a God who created everything. Because previously they did not have any explanation of creation. Now, they found a story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, 
verse 1, that when the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To them, that was the biggest discovery that, oh, there is a God who created. It was a big thing. It was a big eye-opener. It was the world view on its own. And later they found that this God, he loves them. This God, he created human beings in his own image. This God, he values life. He values all the men. He values all the children. He values all the women. All of us, we have value before this God. That was the largest or the biggest discovery to the Gentiles. And they, as they continue to read this Hebrew text, guess what they found? They found Jesus as they continue to read. They said, oh, but what is written here? Look at what is written in, this, in the prophets. Last week we looked at the, uh, Isaiah 53. Look at what happened. Whatever this prophet is describing. I mean, the book of Isaiah was written about 600 years before Jesus was born. And they found that every description that prophet Isaiah has written, it's all about Jesus. It's a fulfillment of what is written in the book of Isaiah. So the Old Testament is the New Testament considered. In other words, everything that's in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's hiding. It was, a, it, was, it, it was a reflection. It was hiding what is still coming in the New Testament. And everything that happened in the New Testament, it was revealing the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is the New Testament considered. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And all they witnessed, what has happened, all that they have seen, what they have witnessed about Jesus, they realized it was written in the book of law and the prophets. Jesus, I mean, he, he, he came and he fulfilled the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Now, if you want to get more information about this, please go and read the book of Hebrews. Go and read the, the book of Hebrews. You'll understand more about the connection between the Old and the New Testament. The Old and the New Testament. Go and, and read the book of Hebrews. You're going to get so much blessed out of that book. Now, as the church continues, in the first century, Christians did not have a Bible, like I have said. But what they had is they had those documents that were written. The documents that were written by Matthew. The documents that were written by Mark. The documents that was written by Luke. Most of these, I mean, these are eyewitnesses, people who were there. Now, you cannot work hard to end your salvation. Paul says it's by God's grace. It is by God's grace that we are saved. So we, we are not saved because of what we have done. We are not saved because of being good people, but we are saved because God has been gracious to us. God has been gracious to us. One other thing, it's possible to, to try to defend God and still be wrong. Check your motives. Make sure that what you are doing, it aligns with God's word. Here we see Paul, he went after Christians, wanted to destroy the church, and he thought he's defending God. So be careful how you condemn other people. Be careful just to make sure that you don't just attack other people. Because you might be wrong. What will happen when later you find that you are wrong? For his entire life, Paul carried the weight 
and the guilt of being the one who persecuted the church. He carried the weight and the, and the guilt of being a church persecutor. Even today, everybody knows that Paul started as somebody who persecuted the church. Whatever you do in, the, in your life, whatever you do in your life, make sure that you follow what God wants you to follow. You do what God wants you to do. And maybe as I'm speaking, you feel a sense of guilt that you might have done something wrong. I want to say to you, God can change your life. If God could change Paul's life, he can change your life too. He can change your life too. Maybe you're like Paul. You're also living, you know, with that guilt. And I want to say that God can forgive you today. If you can go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. He's always there and he will always forgive you. You know, if he could give an evil man like Paul, he forgave him. He gave him grace. What more about you? Let me give you this assurance. You also, he can forgive you. He can forgive you and he can even use you in ministry. Paul, the persecutor of the church, he wrote almost half of the New Testament. My brother, my sister, do not give up on yourself. Do not lose hope. There is always hope and there is always room for you in the kingdom. It's all by God's grace. It's all by God's grace. Paul finally, he played a very significant role in the writing of the Bible. Like I said, he wrote about 13 books of the Bible. All by God's grace. Let's quickly go through 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 and say, how does Paul connect the Old and the New Testament? Paul says these two uh, scriptures or these two uh, texts, the old and the new, they are connected. And he starts by saying the Old Testament was written as an example to us so we can learn from it. And he gives some few examples of things that we can learn from the Old Testament. Things that happen in verse 8, he continues to say, you know, let me quickly go uh, reconnection here. I think we had a challenge okay in verse 8 he says we should not commit sexual immorality we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day he said 23,000 of them died wow and we do not want to find ourselves in that situation also so we should learn from what happened in the old testament verse 9 he says we should not test christ because some of them, they did that. They tested him. And guess what happened? And they were killed by snakes. You all remember the incident in the Old Testament. Verse 10. And do not grumble as some of them did. Guess what happened? And they were killed by the destroy, destroying angel. Verse 11. These things happened to them. These things happened to them as examples. They happened to them as examples. And they were written down as warnings for us. As warnings for us. He says, they were written down as warnings for us. So we have to take this as our warning. It is a warning for us. 
It's a warning for us. We have to learn from what happened in the past. And verse 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except that or what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that, so that you can enjoy it. So that you can enjoy it. So Paul, as we know, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Some few things that we learned here is, like I said, he was a Pharisee, so he knew the law. He studied under the great teacher, the great professor Gamaliel. of the coming of Jesus. The Old Testament is about the contract, the covenant between God and the people of Israel. So these people, they struggled, they suffered, but finally they overcame. You know, God's promise was always fulfilled. God always fulfilled his promises. My brother, my sister, he says, you are not unique, you, but you experience, I mean, you are unique, but your experiences, your experiences, it says, invested in all the things that you are experiencing, it's common to other people. So you can learn from them, your pain, your suffering, your struggles, they're not unique. Even if you are unique, what you are going through, it's not unique. And we can learn from what happened in the past. We can learn from what happened to the children of Israel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, we see Paul, he continues to talk about his God, the gospel that he will preach. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. He says, this is the gospel that we should preach. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold family to the word, I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you. As of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. This is very important. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. When he refers to the scriptures, he's not referring to the New Testament. He's referring to the Old Testament. That's what they call scripture. Because they did not have a Bible at that point. That he was buried, according to the scriptures, and also he was raised from on, on, on the third day, according to the scriptures. So he's saying, whatever you see that has happened, it's a reflection of what has happened, of what has been said previously in the scripture, in the Old Testament. And what I like most is chapter is verse 5. He says, and that he appeared. You know, after I resurrected, he appeared to Cephas. Who is Cephas? Cephas is Peter. He appeared to Peter. 
We have read, we have read that previous in the previous week how he appeared to them in the Sea of Galilee. And also to the 12, verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 people, more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. So there are a lot of people who saw him. But what I like most what is the next one. He says, most of whom are still alive. They are still living. So when Paul wrote these things, people who are still alive, people who saw Jesus, they were still alive. People who saw Jesus resurrect, they were still alive. It is not, the Bible was not written, these books were not written hundreds and hundreds of years later. No. They were written immediately after the resurrection of Jesus. So the people who were there, they knew what he was talking about. And he says, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Who is James? James is his brother. It's, it's, it's the brother of Jesus. I know we talked about this before. We talked about the family of Jesus. So James is the brother of Jesus. And also to who? To the apostles. So Jesus appeared to a lot of people after he resurrected. There are a lot of people who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul says this should be our gospel. And one thing that I like about uh, Paul, he also says some of them have fallen asleep. What does he mean to say they have fallen asleep? What he means is they have died. But right from the beginning, right from the beginning, the church admitted, they accepted that there is resurrection. They accepted that when somebody dies as a Christian, he will resurrect with Christ. There is hope for the next life. So the death and the resurrection of Christ was the core of their gospel. The disciples believed in death and resurrection of Jesus because their rabbi, their teacher, their prophet died and rose in front of them. In front of them. And they knew people who were still alive. People who wrote this, this document. People who wrote this letter. They knew some people who were still alive at that point. James, for example, the brother of Jesus, he did not believe in Jesus before, but later he believed and he accepted Jesus. He believed and he accepted Jesus. And after he accepted Jesus, guess what happened? He also wrote his own book, the book of James. The book of James was written by, by Jesus' brother, who did not believe in Jesus before. But later he believed in Jesus after Jesus resurrected. Because he saw his brother, his own brother, die. And they had a funeral for him. And he resurrected. How can you not believe in such a brother? So, and he became an elder. James later became an elder of the church. Then he wrote also a book, like we, we said. And the first century Christians preached the gospel without the Bible. This is very important to understand that they were just sharing their testimony. Actually, Jesus says in the book of Acts, you shall be my witnesses. Those were witnesses. He didn't say you shall be my preachers. He says you shall be my witnesses. Those were witnesses, personal witnesses, who saw the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All that they had in the first century were, were writings, texts that were written by Matthew, John, Mark, you know, Luke, Paul, Peter, James, you know, and other, uh, and other believers. 
So they accepted right from the beginning that these writings were authentic because they were written by people that they know. They were authentic and they were inspired. And they believe that this story is worth preserving. This story is worth preserving because of their faith, because of their strong convictions. There are many Christians who died holding this scripture, holding this text. Even when they were, they were persecuted, they kept on holding to this faith. How, how can you die for something that you, you are not sure if it's true? They were so convinced. They knew that it is true. Sometimes they even had to hide from the authorities because they wanted to preserve these documents. That's how dedicated they were to this gospel. They believed that this story is worth telling to the future generation. It's worth telling that you and me should know. Now, later in the fourth century, we talked about this before. Constantine the Great, he lifted the ban on all religions, including Christianity and all the activities and the literature that was there. So they did not have, they did not have to hide anymore. And the scholars at that point, quickly, they were free to recollect all these documents. They put them together, all these documents. They had to put them together, they had to collect them. Guess what? The same Roman Empire that was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus funded, they funded, they funded the collection of all these documents. They funded the copying of these documents. The very same government, the very same you know, empire that was against Christianity. Through Constantine, they had to recollect all these documents and he funded them to do that, to do all this research, to get all these documents together. And when all these documents have been put together, it resulted in the writing of the Bible that you and me are reading today. Finally, a copy of the Jewish scripture. Remember the law and the prophets? The Torah that we talked about? Now that copy, that Old Testament copy, that old Jewish copy, it was combined with the Christian text. The Christian text is the one that was written by John, by Matthew, by Mark, by Luke, by Peter, by James, by Paul. Those texts were collected and they were bound together and they were called books. They were called books. Books is what you call Bible. The word Bible simply means the collection of books. That's all that it means. It's a collection of books. And all those books combined, we had 66 books. We had 66 books. At some point when we get a chance, we'll talk about the canonization of these books. How were these books selected? Because there are other books that were written outside, but they were not believed to be inspired. So there are other books that were written, but these books were selected. And it was, it was confirmed that these books, they were inspired. So we had the 39 books from the Old Testament text or the Jewish text and the 27 books that were written after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there was only one big book for a very long time. So these books were, were combined, they were put together and we had a very big book. And that book, it stayed there for, for quite some time. But later it was copied and copied and copied and multiplied. My brother, my sister, that book, the Bible, has shaped my life. 
I am who I am because of reading that Bible. You are who you are today because of that book. My life has been changed because of reading that book. Many lives, thousands, millions and billions and billions of people were changed by that book. That's why I make sure I read this book every single day. The Bible did not create Christianity. Did not create Christianity. Our Christian faith is as a result of an event. And that event, it produced the text that we have today. And that book is the book that we use today. It was bound. And that's the one that we are using today. Brothers and sisters, if there had not been resurrection, if Jesus did not resurrect, there will be no Bible today. There will be no need to document the event. Because Jesus will not have been worth telling. His story will not worth it. His story will not be necessary for the new or for the coming generation to know about. Let's look at the history of the Bible. Originally, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, in 1382, remember I said that this big book that was there, half of it was written in Hebrew, that's the Old Testament. The, ne the, next, I mean, the next part of it, the New Testament was written in Greek. So in 1382, the first English version was written by John Whitliffe and his followers. That was the first English version. So they had to translate from, I mean, the Old Testament from Hebrew to English. And they had to translate the New Testament from Greek to English. Then in 1560, the Protestant reformers in Switzerland, remember the Swiss? The Swiss also, they produced what we call the Geneva Bible. That was translated in 1560. And that's where the Swiss mission uh, came out of. Because they came from Switzerland. And they also translated the Bible. But then the English version that we are using today, what you call the King James Version. King James, King James is a, was a king in England. In 1604, he commissioned and he sponsored that they should write an English Bible for who? For the Church of England. And they started translating from Greek and Hebrew to English. And that translation, it was completed in 1611. And some of you, you are still having that King James Version. If you go to the first two pages of your, uh, of your Bible, the King James Version, it will indicate that is the 1611 Version. In other words, it has not been changed. Since 1611, it is still the same Version. They still have the same... You know, the English that was spoken at that point, the thou, the thee, the thine, that's the English that was spoken at that point. But now we have the new, uh, new King James Version that, uh, that tried to go with our, with our uh, current English, the one that's spoken right now. And we have other visions, versions that followed also. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is the most translated book 
in the world. Most translated book in the world. Last year when I checked in September, by September last year, the full Bible, because sometimes some languages they, language, they only translate the New Testament. Maybe because they don't have resources or because of other reasons. They have not yet reached a point where they, have, they can translate the full Bible. But there are about 700, I mean, 704 uh, uh, languages that have translated this Bible into their languages. 704. The New Testament has been translated into almost 1,500 languages in the whole world. 1,500 languages, they have the New Testament written in their own language. Still, there are so many languages that do not have the Bible. About 2,200 languages remain without a Bible today. They do not have a Bible in their own language. You know, some of the languages have just been translated recently. For example, the Ndebele uh, translation in South Africa. It has just been completed in 2012. In actual fact, they started translating it in 2002. I think so. Yeah, 2002. And it was completed in 2012. So still there are so many languages that this Bible has not been translated into their languages. Some of them, they started a long time ago. For example, the Zulu translation. They started with the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. The first gospel of Matthew translation in Zulu, it was in 1848. The Tsonga language. The Tsonga language, the first uh, translation was 1929. So the Tsonga Bible is less than 100 years old. 1929, that's when the Tsonga uh, edition, the Tsonga version was translated. This is sort of version, 1909. It's almost more than 100 years old. The Kosa version is one of the oldest. It was translated in 1859. That is a story of your Bible. That is how your Bible came into your hands. That's how the Bible came into your village, into your city, into your town. What are the lessons that you can learn from the story of the Bible? Because we're not just interested in history, but how does this apply into my life? How can, what is it that I can learn from this? One of the things that you have learned is your decisions and your choices will remain part of your story. We have seen that with Paul. So just make sure you make the right decisions in your life. Yes, God will forgive you, but you can't erase your past. You can't erase your past. What kind of story do you want to tell to your grandchildren? Do you want to tell the good story and feel embarrassed a certain part of your life? Maybe your, your grandkids will say, Grandpa, Grandma, tell us how did you grow? Tell us about the story of your life. Now you tell them your story until 2000. Then between 2000, I mean 2001 and 2010, you jump and skip because that era, you're not proud of it. And you start telling them about the 2011. What kind of story do you want to tell of your life? And your story depends on the decisions you make for your life. Avoid those embarrassing moments of your life. We are saved by God's grace, not by our works. And this is very important. You can't work hard for your salvation. It's by God's grace. 
by God's grace. No matter how bad you feel, no matter how bad you are, no matter how people feel about you, some will love you, some will not love you. Some will be affectionate of you, some of, some of them will hate you. No matter what amount of sins you have committed in your life, my brother, my sister, there's room for you in the kingdom. God forgave Paul who wanted to destroy Christianity. God was so gracious enough to forgive him. And Paul says, we should preach grace, not condemnation. You as a preacher, you as a teacher of the gospel, after you finish preaching, when you say amen, how do people feel? Do people feel condemned? Or people feel the love of God? Or people feel the grace of God? What kind of the gospel are you preaching? Paul says we should preach the gospel of grace. There's no amount of work that we can do that can save you. We are saved by God's grace. Brothers and sisters, the event of resurrection in the story of the Bible, it's worth telling every generation. Everyone should know about this story. It is a personal story. It is for you. It is for me, and it is for the next generation. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose from the dead. He was seen by people. They saw him. So the story of the Bible, it's not something that is far-fetched. People who are witnesses of that event, they wrote the story of the Bible. Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for everything that was written in the past, he's talking about the old uh, testament here for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope the story of the bible is the story of hope it reminds us that god is faithful no matter what you're going through in your life my brother no matter what you're going through in your life right now my sister no matter those moments where you cry without stopping, where you spend sleepless nights, let me say this to you. God loves you. God loves you. God cares for you. God is forever faithful. Your peace is only found in Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. He died and he resurrected for your peace. And that is where the story of the Bible intersects with the story of your life. God can use your failures like he did with Paul. God can use your failures to advance his kingdom. Paul, when he learned about the Old Testament scriptures, when he became the Pharisee, he did not know that all those experiences will later be used to write a Bible. His understanding of the Old Testament helped him to write the Bible. Just because you failed in your life, it does not mean that you are useless in the kingdom of God. God can still use you. Don't undermine yourself. People may have written you off in their lives, but God will never write you off. There is hope for you, my brother. There is hope for your situation. No matter how painful, no matter how difficult your situation is, all situations, including yours, are temporal. Let's pray.